Welcome to the workshop, Hanging Together So We Don't Hang Apart. My name's Alice. I am an average compulsive overeater and the moderator speaker for this session. Before we begin, please turn off your cell phones and pagers and any other buzzy things. Um, this workshop is being taped. All opinions expressed by those who share are their own and not necessarily those of OA as a whole. The format for the session is a reading, two speakers, basket basket questions, and sharing on the topic. A basket with paper and pencil will be circulated for you to write any questions you may have for the speakers. Please specify whom your question is for. The reading is from the Overeaters Anonymous 12 and 12, page 117, the last paragraph, which reads, ah, uh, the first tradition of unity reminds us of an important truth. We are not alone. We are connected to our fellow human beings. Our emotional and spiritual health depends upon the health of our relationships. The disease of compulsive eating, which once isolated us, has now led us to OA. Here in local groups, sponsorship roles, intergroups, regional assemblies, and OA worldwide, we are learning to connect with other people in ways that will nurture them and nurture us as we recover together. Together. Um, before I start talking, I wonder if we could have a timer. Who would be willing to hold up five minute, one minute, and stop signs? Thank you. Okay. Um, we get to speak for 20 minutes. Again, my name's Alice. I am an average compulsive overeater, and glad you all are here. And that's what this tradition is about. Glad you all are here. Unity. It says here that hanging together so we don't die alone. Um, my life before OA was a living death. Okay, and see that sounds so melodramatic, you know, but it was. Um, I've been absent since March 28th, 1988, 10.30 p.m., but who's counting? Um, and now I'm 62 and not 41, and I honestly don't know what I weigh. I've been over 230. Um, I've been this size for some time. And uh, I've been talking to people about this tradition for a while. I reread from another... Yeah, from the AA book, and I thought about um, the fact, you know, there's a a saying, you know, we're all in this together, you know, we're all in this together, and there's a lot of import with that statement. Um, it's more than, you know, you know, by my own means, I got myself to over 230 pounds that brought me to Overeaters Anonymous so that all of you could help me. Thank you. You know, it's more than that. 
hanging, I'm going to be very graphic here, hanging is a miserable way to die. Okay, we've seen the movies, you know, one with Clint Eastwood and all that. And you slowly choke to death, unless you're lucky and your spinal cord gets broken, okay? This, the death that's um, available to us from not recovering from the disease is lengthy and painful, and it affects every single person around you. So when we read here that our emotional and spiritual health depends upon the health of our relationships, there's something here. Um, through working with others, we learn a lot. Um, in the area of unity, I think of our inner group. I think of our meetings, the steering committee meetings. Um, I was talking to some people earlier about our uh, inner group down in San Diego, and uh, my home meeting has a steering committee meeting. And we decided, actually, I asked for it because I'm an inner group rep. And we had a steering committee meeting and discussed some items. And one of them did not go my way. Son of a gun. And you know what? I had no resentment about that. I, I did think, hmm, they certainly don't know what they're talking about, you know. But it's the group conscience. It is the group conscience that speaks. And so I brought it to the next intergroup meeting, you know. Um, we work together in simple things. Uh, I remember cleaning toilets at our inner group with somebody with, you know, 28 years at that time. Um, gosh, learning how to solve what seemed to be unsolvable problems at the meeting level or intergroup level or region two, world service. You know, we all have issues. Well, I sure do. And I can speak for myself. I have issues. And through this program, I've been learning how to work with these issues. And a lot of them has to do, a lot of the solving of those is more than just doing my writing and making phone calls and talking about it. It's things that don't seem to be connected at all. It's working on a committee, doing service, getting out of myself, working towards the fellowship. You know, um, we're either in this together or we sink together. Um, it says here, too, at the last sentence, we are learning to connect with other people in ways that will nurture them and nurture us as we recover together. I currently am in my 25th year of an unnurturing relationship. And... But because of this program, I'm not eating over it. And there will, this is finite. No, everything is. Um, I know I'm kind of going around here. This is such an unusual topic because it is so all-encompassing. And maybe that's why it's the first tradition. Um, It talks earlier in the in the reading in the step uh, tradition itself about how 
we may get together as a steering committee or an intergroup, any sort of decision-making group, and there's going to be discussion, there's going to be dissension. At some point, a decision will be made. At some point, a decision will be made. It's voted on. It's signed, sealed, and delivered. And that's the end of it. Whatever opinion you have, this has been done by the group conscience through the process of airing, clearing. Yeah, it can get a little hot. But then again, once the decision's made, it's made because it's for the good of the fellowship. It's not for the good of Alice. You know, it's not for the good of Betsy or Jerry. You know, it's for the good of the fellowship as a whole. This fellowship is our home. I will share with you that at the first meeting I went to, for the, at the age of 41, that was the first time in my life that I felt I belonged. I was at home. I had never felt that I belonged anywhere at all. In fact, I shouldn't have been born was my general concept of things. And this fellowship of nurturing people, that doesn't mean enabling, does it? No. It means, hey, that was great, you know. Um, so you didn't do all of that, but you didn't do that, you know. So you ate a little too much. You ate a little too little. You didn't go out. We stay here. We give some nurturing. I get nurturing back. And you know what? We can ask for it, too, because this is a fellowship. This is a family. I was talking earlier to somebody about this, and I, I was reminded of the time I was living in Coronado. Actually, I was raised in Coronado, but this time I was living back in Coronado, and I went down to the beach. And it's a very nice beach there, but, you know, I wanted to go into the water, but without my glasses, I am blind as a bat, okay? And I had tried and tried all my life to go out past the breakers. I love going past the breakers and floating around and waiting for porpoises to come, you know? And, um, and I was just sitting there and getting all, mm, I want to go in the water and kind of whiny and, and, you know, I said, doggone, you know, because this is something the program taught me. Um, I can ask for help. I can do something. And it was very scary for me to go out in the water. You can imagine how many times that I get slammed to the sandy bottom of the ocean by a wave that I didn't see coming. I'm, Gee whiz, you know, that hurts. It's really painful. So I started walking towards the water. And I was squinting, and I saw a cute little kid who must have been maybe nine years old, and it turned out to be a little girl. And <laughs> and I said, "Excuse me, she said, what?" I said, "Could you help me get out to past the breakers? What? Are you blind? Well, pretty much right now, because I don't have my glasses on. I can't go out in the water with my glasses on because I'll lose them. Back then, we didn't have those straps, you know. At least I didn't know of them." And she said, big sigh, okay, give me your hand. So I gave her my hand, 
At the time, I was five, six, too. And she was a little nine-year-old kid. And she took me out there, and I had asked her, just let me know when to duck. Let me know when to dive through or jump or whatever. She says, okay, come on. And we did that. She says, okay, duck, okay. Jump. You didn't jump high enough. You should have jumped higher. Okay, I'll do better. Cute kid, huh? And remind me of anybody? So she got me off. She said, are you okay now? I said, yeah. She said, well, there's another big wave coming. You better dive. Bye. <laughs> and, <laughs> go, darn. And I did. And I went right past. I went underneath that big break. It was big. I think it was very big. It felt very big. And I went through, and I came out the other side. I came out the other side. And, you know, that just gave me goosebumps. Coming into OA has brought me through, and it continues to bring me through some uh, really fearful times, whether it be going through those waves or... uh, you know, backpacking, ooh, he backpacks, ooh. I haven't backpacked in about a year and a half. I've broken some bones from bicycling, so I don't bicycle anymore. Um, through emotionally fearful times, uh, my mother's in her sumpteenth year of Alzheimer's, and my father's almost 87, and, you know, there's always something. But, you know, the, the Fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous has nurtured me through the other side. I've gone through the other side of the fear. What do they say? Fear is false evidence appearing real. And there's another one too. uh, Let's just face everything and run. Or F everything and run. Yeah. Some people say face everything and run. Um... Again, together we can do what we could never do alone. That little girl, <laughs> that smiley little girl, you know, I asked her for help. She put her hand out. She took me out to the waves and let me go and let me do the last one myself. She, she nurtured me through that. And the program brings me through to the other side. You know, what a life. What a life I have that I can do things today that, I mean, a year ago, I could not do. It's a daily process. It's a daily process. Tradition one says our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Personal unity Um, excuse me, personal recovery depends upon OA unity. I need you, you all. And we have a common welfare in mind. What's that common welfare? To stop eating compulsively, perhaps. Um, To get out of the isolation, the name of my disease to find acceptance as to who we are, to be given the solutions to how to recover from this disease one day at a time, one hour at a time, one meal at a time, to be taken through the fears that we ate over, the 
fears we I didn't even know I had. You know, gosh, the eating worked really well, didn't it? It worked really well for a long time for me. It worked so well for a long time. I only had a problem with the fat. I was, you know, I had this problem with the fat and the food. You know, and um, it did take me three years to get here after a doctor suggested it, and I figured if it's free, it's no good. You know, I had to try the other things. Um, had to do that. I spent a lot of money doing those other things. It didn't work. And here we are in the fellowship, and we're not alone anymore. There's absolutely nothing that I have to do by myself anymore. In fact, I've suggested that we not do things by ourselves. Um, I have asked people to go grocery shopping with me. I have gone grocery shopping with others. I've asked uh, people to come over just to be in my home when I get on the scale. They shouldn't be looking at the scale, God forbid, but just to be there when I get on the scale, which happens to be in the garage. It's a filthy, dirty scaler. It's lovely. Um, I've asked uh, I've asked people to come over to help me just be there. You know, I have a I have a banker's box full of filing that needs to be done because I've been moving all my file cabinets around and papers and stuff. And you know, I don't have to do that by myself. There's nothing I have to do by myself. It's my choice too, though. Just like what I eat is my choice. I. I I was thinking of somebody who uh, stood up at a meeting once and said, I can eat absolutely anything I want today. And everybody gasped. Now, this is a person who had lost over 125 pounds. I don't remember exactly. And he said, but for today, I've chosen to have three specific meals, which I phoned into my sponsor already. Maybe tomorrow I'll have something different. But today, it is my choice to do this. And I love the I love the choice. So it's my choice to be part of the fellowship or to be apart from. There's a big difference there. To be part of this fellowship that saved my life, that is saving the lives of I don't know how many. It's worldwide, and how many more lives are there out there that don't know about us? Let's keep the fellowship going. Strengthen ourselves, work and work with others so we can share that. This works. This works. Alone no more. I'm not pulling the shutters closed. Unplugging the phone. Back then we had plugs. And <laughs> didn't have an answering machine then. Didn't have a cell phone. So that was that. No computer. But, you know, you know the whole thing. Pull the drapes, get the food, put on the TV. And, you know, I mean, I don't know about you, but I had bags of food and it was done. That was it. And I'd pass out and ta-da. And then I'd go to bed and wish I would die before I'd wake up. I didn't die. My disease got so bad and I got so sick. I had to come to Overeaters Anonymous. Son of a gun. This disease, you know, I'm grateful for the disease for keeping me alive this long to get me here to this fellowship this unified fellowship despite each one of us having our own opinions and ideas 
and shoulds do, should do this, should do that. It's all about unity. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Group dissension does the opposite thing. If I'm considering only my own personal welfare, I may well be causing damage to others. I don't know if I'm not powerful or not. Five? Five more minutes? I can tap dance yet. Um, What we share at meetings, too, is a very unifying factor, I think. They say that we need to share about what we need to share about. But first I heard to share our experience, strength, and hope. I don't really need to hear about all your binges because I've had my own and mine are probably much better than yours. Excellent binges. When we share about what it was like and what happened and what it's like now, you see the heads usually going, yeah, nodding of the heads, nodding of the heads. It's kind of like a temple or something. It's the nodding of the head in agreement. It's validating what I'm saying and not again that I'm not alone. Wow. And maybe there's a newcomer there who's also going, oh, yeah. I used to hide my food in the closet and, oh, yeah, and you got through that and here you are and this, and you've weighed how much and how could that be? You look normal. Well, I'm not very normal, except I am an average compulsive overeater and I put that word average in too to help me be part of this fellowship and not apart from it. I am absolutely no different than anybody else in this room or out in the convention or out in the world of Overeaters Anonymous. That's important. I am not unique. I am not a special person. But I am recovering today because of this program and because of the unity, the purpose of being here today, the purpose of this convention. It's not about, you know, I've heard people talk about this for years and years and years. Oh, the convention's just about getting money. Uh, what's the money used for? We heard this on opening night. Spreading the word, how do we do that? Well, there's that really neat new sign that was made that lights up. There's the website help. There's all this other information that goes out to the different intergroups. There's help with uh, intergroups who cannot afford to send people to assembly. They can request financial help in that area. Um, cripes, there's so much. And it's all about helping the compulsive overeater who still suffers and to keep the program going. Without Overeaters Anonymous, um, doggone, you know, how long can you tread water? How long can you tread water? Not very long for most of us. I could tread water 
for only so long. I got down to 121 and three quarters one day until I got out of the movies, you know, and I've been up to over around 230 or so. And I tread water the last year before I came in here, maintaining a weight between 170 and 180 pounds at five foot six. And I tread water like crazy. And I starved almost all day. Um, iceberg lettuce is still on my bench food list because I did that. And then all night was the food. And then I finally came here because I couldn't do that anymore. I was sinking. I was going down fast. And um, I work in a laboratory and, you know, a ceiling was not foreign to my life. And so I had needles and syringes. I mean, I had animals and I gave them injections and heaven forbid that I not feel something. And uh, so one day, and this is just before I got to OA, I had my lab coat on. I was getting all ready to go to work. And that this was way before AIDS and all that. And I had a needle and syringe full of air in my right hand and my left hand on the refrigerator door where a double layer chocolate cake was waiting for me or them. It was supposed to be for work. And guess what? I'm still here today. I guess I didn't do the needle and syringe. And that's where treading water got me. And that's why I came here because I didn't want to die. Go figure. I didn't want to, even though every night for years and years I hoped I would die before I wake. And I didn't want to live that way anymore. This program has one purpose, to help the still-suffering compulsive overeater and to keep us abstaining and giving us the tools that make it work and offering us the solution, which is here in these rooms. Thank you very much. Our second speaker is Jerry, and he's from Santa Barbara, and he will speak for 20 minutes, and bear with me while I disconnect. Sorry, people. If this is There we go. Jerry, I'm going to come around over here. Okay, there you go, Jerry. Okay. Hi, everybody. I'm Jerry. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. And, uh, I wanted to thank the uh, speaker coordinator for asking me to share on this uh, on this topic. And uh, when I think of tradition one, I or the traditions uh, in general, I think of uh, a comment that somebody had made how the uh, the steps were derived from you know so we didn't kill ourselves and. And they had to get the traditions in so we didn't kill each other in the process. And um, that's exactly true. I mean, imagine people like us getting together and solving, you know, big helping solve big decisions for our groups, for our inner groups, for world service. And um, I don't know about you, but this is a very selfish disease. I never wanted to help anybody or be part of anything. Just get me a good deal, you know, on a, on a, uh, on a lobster dinner, and I'll be happy. I don't want, I don't want to do anything for you. Um, I came into OA at uh, age 24, and um, 
I came in in Long Island, New York, was my first meeting. And uh, I, I met uh, actually a lot of you know Phyllis from San Diego. She was at the very first meeting in Mineola, Long Island, on Thursday night. And uh, I came in there pretty desperate, but yet not beaten totally. At least I didn't think I was beaten. I came in with this cocky attitude of, you know, I know better, even though my best thinking. And I, I'm a pretty smart guy. You know, kept me at 400 pounds. And um, growing up, food was really very, very important to me. And I was grateful to have the food. I think you alluded to the fact yourself, you know, that uh, a previous speaker I'm talking about, uh, I common among them. Compulsive overeaters, at least for me, I, I was grateful to have the food because it helped me with the emotions that went on, you know, growing up in a dysfunctional house. And I, my dad was a pretty low bottom alcoholic, and my mother, you know, was born in Europe and came here at age 11 and married my father and never left the Lower East Side of New York City. and lived a very sheltered and scared life, you know, being chased out of Europe as a kid, you know, because being Jewish, and, and then marrying my dad and being in another type of a prison, you know, being married to an alcoholic. So uh, I was grateful to have the uh, food, you know, to witness all that went on there. And... Um, I'll talk about my binges. I'll talk about my emotional binges of how I did attempt suicide over food. And I used to wind up in Bellevue Hospital like once a week. This thing called Globus hysteria where I couldn't swallow. And it was all psychological. You know, and I said, I can't do this anymore. I took a bunch of pills when my dad died at 16. He, my dad finally passed away from, you know, just heart attack at 50 and um, I decided that was it for me too I just wanted to you know I took the pills and the diet pills that I was uh, some speed I guess was in it and we'll have the alcohol that he had in the closet and wound up in Bellevue Hospital again and my mother said to me something like you know the neighbors were really talking a lot about this at first your father and now you, and he says, you know, what am I, how am I going to explain this to the neighbors? And, and I'm thinking, you know, your son almost killed himself, or I want to kill myself. Mom, why don't you show me some love? Why don't you show me like you really care about me? And this is something I've been getting for uh, almost 37 years, coming up August. A couple, a few more weeks, August 8th will be 37 years that I've come back to OA no matter what. I've kept off uh, half of my weight, half of 400 pounds, about 200 now for 24 out of the 36 years, 12 years I had a you know, relapse where I just, it was really difficult gaining all the weight back after uh, 12 years of good solid food plan. And that's what kept me separate a lot of times in OA was the food plan. And the scene of hanging together and uh, unity uh, <laughs> years ago, it meant what food plan you're on, to see how unified you want to be. I remember uh, this 
guy Marvin, I don't know, I hope he's alive somewhere, maybe in Florida, who knows, I don't know, he's a real angry guy, you know, always came back to meetings but couldn't really get it, very, very angry, we'll go to fellowship always, and I remember Mel and Irene had some uh, half and half in their coffee, and Marvin got up at this Long Island diner and said, these son of a bitches are prostituting our program by putting garbage in their coffee. And that's how rabid, rabid, and as part people were with their food plan and how invested they were. And not many of us came back. You know, I came back no matter what. I, I knew that this was more than you know what diet I was on. And you know, keeping us together, you know, was a very spiritual thing. You know, you think about it. You know, compulsive overeaters that want to be with each other and you know pay money to come to this weekend to be with each other. It says a lot about this program. You know, I come here in a wheelchair. I see other people in wheelchairs and canes and, you know, coming. there's something here, and we know there's something here. OA ruined my food the minute I came into OA. It ruined my compulsive eating. I couldn't eat in peace anymore. When I would go out and, you know, plan a great binge, it just didn't feel as good. It didn't do for me what it used to do. It didn't do much for me then, you know, but now it's, forget it. And uh, I want to be known as someone in a way that's come back. I don't want to be known for my food plan. <laughs> I, I want to be known that how, how I gave service to OA. Or... Uh, how I've helped other people, sponsees, and uh, being of service to the groups to, you know, be above the meeting level. Recently, I got involved as a uh, as a delegate, Region Two delegate, for my uh, for my inner group. And you know, I see. You know, there's a lot of controversy that goes on at these things, but there's so much love behind all of it. It's because, you know, we're all working for you know for each other, the common welfare of each other here. And uh, OA has come a long way, and uh, I don't know. I, I I almost miss a little bit of that rabid type of food plan. Uh, I think it's gone too much to the other side, in my opinion. But that's what it is, you know, we all have our thoughts about how the program should work, but like Alice was saying, it comes up to the group decision, not my decision. And I'm grateful for that, you know, it's uh, my, my best thinking, my, my thoughts of what I thought was so wonderful are actually now accurate. I, I have an accurate feeling of, of what's good now. It's good to be able to talk about what's wrong with me now. I'm not so ashamed of it anymore. OA has taken away the shame and the guilt. Why would I have shame and guilt over the cancer that I came down with three and a half years ago or, or the severe spinal stenosis that has left me in a wheelchair now to feel different again? You know, I would also always feel different about being, you know, 400 pounds. I don't feel so different now in being in a wheelchair. You've accepted me. I know that where I sit or how I stand does not quantify me as a person. And 
it sucks though, you know, to you know have to break down a wheelchair and break it back up and build it up and go in the car. And but I'm determined. I, I don't want to be home. You know, I just say, you know, you could go to a meeting online. You know, I, I can't hug a computer. <laughs> and uh, what keeps us together is, 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 you know, showing up, showing up at these meetings and knowing that. Uh, our presence will help someone else. And for someone with low self-esteem, that's pretty darn good for us. And that's very spiritual, to know that we can actually help each other. And that my thinking is pretty good nowadays, you know, because it's not fogged over with, with, uh, with, with food. Food, food, food. What does food mean to us? What does food do? Why, why do we need to cover it up with these emotions? You know, and we find the answers here in Overeaters Anonymous from doing the steps. But even more important than the steps, in my opinion, I can't imagine someone admitting powerlessness or unmanageability in step one if they're not doing the tools. I got to give credit to uh, someone else who I think Sherry, ABC Sherry, where I heard it from. Of uh, how's it go? If you're willing to go to any lengths, then you're ready to take the steps. I think that's pretty much what it says. If we're willing to go to any lengths, then we're ready to take certain steps. There. If we're willing to go, what's the going to any lengths? What's wrong with going to a meeting or an hour? You know two, three hours, four hours a week. I go to a meeting almost every day, maybe five days a week. Giving service, helping out a group, you know, reading, writing, picking up the telephone, you know, being a sponsor, having a food plan. Every single tool is so necessary before I can even think of working steps one, two, and three. And after, you know, I get all that good recovery and those good feelings, then I could start working those traditions of giving back to you. Giving back to you what you have so freely given to me. That's very spiritual and very poetic. I don't know, you know, how I've been able to handle things that probably would have baffled me. You know, going through what I was talking about, the cancer and this, you know, ten back surgeries that I've gone through. And people were there for me in a way. I would have visitors come in. After a while, well, the hospitalization, I, I didn't want anybody after a while. It's like I, you know, I got into isolating. But you guys wouldn't let me isolate too much. It's like the mafia. You get in, you know, it's very, it's very, it's very hard to get out. Every try I try to get out, they suck me back in with their nurturing and their love and their understanding. And that's what I get from Overeaters Anonymous. Nurturing, love, understanding, acceptance. All those things I did not get from my mother and my father. It was always a big hole that needed to be filled up. And Put a plug in the jug there. That's the jug, that hole of emptiness. Step one fills it. 
It, it plugs it up. It, it just does something so miraculously that no doctor, therapist, group could ever do. So many wonderful things out there nowadays. Science may one day accomplish this. But it hasn't done so yet, but now it has. So many wonderful things out there that help. But like I say, they staple my stomach. They can't staple my head. You know. How could they surgically remove the negative thinking? You know. Yeah. Exactly. What did you say? The lottery. Lobotomy. Yeah. What a lottery. <laughs> You know, I used to think money would help me. A lot of money would help me. And probably would. But, you know, I see a lot of people that I know have pretty well off and they're still miserable. Emotionally miserable and wealthy. And, you know, financially wealthy and miserable. I think, how could that be? I could understand. I could see it. Of course I can. You know, when I thought I lost all the weight, I'd be happy. You know, same thing. And I was. I was happier. But I knew I had to do more. And I knew I had to give back. I love giving back now. I love the feeling being a part of. And when I think of, you know, hanging together, I think of the Titanic. You know, how they all had to hang together. And how romantic it is how they hung on to each other, the two lovers in the Titanic. And how our sponsors hang on to us until we decide we want to let go. And sometimes we have to let go with love in so many different aspects in this program for what I've encountered. And, and that's part of growing up, letting go with love. So keep coming back. Keep knowing that, you know, if I could come do this for 37 years, no matter what, that you could do it too. And you could probably do it better, you know. But there's no comparison. No comparison at all. I never compared myself to anyone in this program. And it's nice to know that I don't do this alone. And it's not an exterior God that I'm not praying to. It's tangible. This group is very, very real that I'm looking at. And um, thank you. That's all I need to say. Thanks, Jerry. Okay. I'm going to read the directions almost. No, I'm good. Um, okay, we now we will now have ten minutes of questions from the Ask It basket. There it is. Thank you. Uh, it says note to the moderator. I'm a moderate moderator. Okay. Um, if there are not enough questions in the Ask It basket, the speakers can be given a second chance to say what they meant or what they left out. There you go. Oh, that's okay. That's good. Uh oh. Okay. Let's see what we have here. Um, look. Uh oh. Okay, we have a question, and we also have the microphone put back together, so that's good. 
No, it's empty. No questions in the ask it basket? Gosh. No, we didn't because I thought of something when you were sharing, Jerry, about the giant redwood trees. They're huge. They're, they are so huge and big. You remember seeing pictures of those things when, you know, you could drive a car through it and all that? They're massive. Well, the fact is they have very shallow roots. They, you know, a redwood tree by itself won't last long. It'll topple over. But you notice they all grow together. They're in that, their roots grow together. And because of that unity, the whole bunch thrive and grow. One redwood alone, down. Two together, better. Three together, even better. And so on and so on and so on, arithmetically. If the giant redwood trees can do that, and they just do it. They don't have to have meetings about it. I don't know. Do you think that uh, your roots can touch my roots? I don't know. That's another program. Okay. Yeah. Group conscience. A root conscience over it. Oh, that's terrible, Jerry. Um, we do have a lot of, you know, in order to have a group conscience, we have to work together. In order to have our own abstinence, we have to work together. Um, I was thinking of sponsorship, too, because, um, gosh, you know, I've been to, you know, all the meetings I go to, it's probably the same everywhere. Are there any sponsors in this room? If so, could you please, you know, give us your name? And da, 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 da. and sometimes, you know, I'm just like, so, please. And I go, yeah, my name's Alice. Um, I'm willing to work with a desperate sponsee. I want a desperate one, you know. Is that so kind and loving? Isn't it just wonderful? But, you know, I feel that way so often because my life so often feels so... It, I just feel like sometimes I need that sponsee. I need that person to mirror the program for me, to show that it works, at, you know, I was talking to somebody earlier. I said, geez, I've got 21 years and I'm not an old timer. And she said, I'm 10 and I am. I said, well, there you go. Um, I have two sponsees currently. One, we've been together more than three years. The other one, a little bit, a couple months or so. And only till we sponsor do we understand why our sponsors were so maybe frustrated with us at times, other times just so kind, and just at times where, you know, I wanted to just say, oh, you know, I've even said that. How, you must really not be able to stand working with me. No, no, it's all, it's good, it's good. You know, you're abstinent, you know. We depend on each other. And that's good. It's not enabling, it's caring. And the unity 
of our fellowship is all dependent upon the health of our of our recovery. <laughs> Jerry, did you have anything you wanted to say as a last minute thought? Have you thought of any times in your experience uh, in the fellowship where there was a disunity? I know you talked about the food and how you felt that there was disunity caused by the the different plans of eating. Or one time uh, we had a, a problem with um, we can't go any about the using the male, you know, saying he instead of. Uh, he instead of God, you know, some, excuse me. You know, what I mean, there was a controversy about using the male name of He referring to God, and um, it, it divided the group up quite a bit. Some of us felt like it was an intrusion on the uh, copyrights of uh, the AA book, and. Uh, some women felt that it was uh, discrimination of using only a male name, and, and uh, people were saying that it's uh, not in reference to a gender. It's in boats are referred to as he, uh, I mean as she. You know, as a, a ship is coming, they'll say, "Oh, she's coming into harbor." And uh, there was no harm intended by anybody, but it really divided the group and. Uh, but people spoke on it, they, uh, had, and we decided not to bring it to world service. And uh, everybody that uh, you know was invested in their feeling about it really understood that it was you know why you know it had to be a group conscience and not a. And uh, but today you know I see the books are the only thing is like our books are all all of our literature does not refer to um, any male. It's just the AA book, reading the steps. So that's something that divided and brought us together because we knew that you know we can't you know be mad at each other because of this. And uh, so it's, I, I just wish that uh, maybe our government could run this way. <laughs> We'd have less uh, less problems. I mean, our simple way is so so divinely uh, given to us. Thanks, Jerry. I was just thinking, you, I don't know if you meant to say it or not, but diversion or diverse thoughts leading to unity. You know, it's our differences, our different thoughts, our different way of looking at things that ultimately will bring us together. Because for our common welfare, right, that tradition, our common welfare must come first. That's the bottom line, and we can't run the business without, at some point, agreeing, and that's unity, is working together. Okay, we can have open sharing. Um, you will, see, we have time for three shares. If you have already shared at another workshop, please give others a chance before you to come forward. Limit your share to three minutes. Stay on the topic and you can sign the tape release form after your share. And if you want, I can put this thing, microphone back up on the podium or we can just stand here. Stay here. Stay here.
I like that. Stay here. Who wants to recover? Come on up. Come on down. Yeah, my name is Janet, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And um, I really wanted to come to this particular um, session because um, in unity we we live and and thrive, and alone we die. And um, I really enjoyed hearing both speakers on this topic. And um, I had a younger sister who was three years younger than me, and um, when she was about 12 years old, she developed anorexia and bulimia. Um, which plagued her till she was 26 years old, and um, she felt very alone and misunderstood. And um, at that time, this was in the late 60s, early 70s. There wasn't very much publicized about it or known about it. And um, yeah, so she ended up it, it, taking her own life at at 26 years old, and it was really the most heartbreaking, you know, experience that I've ever had to go through and um, I myself had many um, I had other addictions and um, so I'm, I qualify for a couple other programs but um, as a single mom I felt very alone and um, from the time my son was about 18 months old um, well until I came to OA I guess um, well, uh, a few years ago I when he was younger, I would spend every night after he went to bed just binging, binging, binging. And um, I went from about um, 100 and between 140 and 50 pounds up to about 230 myself. And um, this was just like, you know, in my fam- my family was very critical too. And talking about, you know, um, you know I, I guess some of our parents really didn't grow up with much nurturing themselves because so they didn't know how to do it. And... Um, Anyway, um, I'm very blessed today. Um, I've, I've been coming to OA to be three years in um, September, and um, the the, uh, the friends that um, I've made in this program are just invaluable. And I met them in in other programs, and and I kind of was, you know, brought into grandfather or grandmother or friended into um, OA, and um, I started by going to a, a a retreat and it was just wonderful and um, so I have a food plan today and 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 I like the foods that I've chosen that's really important to me to like the foods in my food plan and um, so I, and I have been able to shed some weight and for me that's a blessing too because I was in a car accident and broke my ankle pretty badly when I was about 29 years old and and um, so losing the weight has made a big difference and in me walking around and just being able to do my life. My son is 26 years old today. He is um, in he's in graduate school and and he has a really good job. And I just thank my recovery for. I mean, he's he's seen some pretty bad things. His father died of alcoholism and smoking, and and when he was 16. And you know, today um, my son's really positive. He lives in San Francisco. He's down visiting me. Um, okay, just real quick. He was visiting me a couple of weeks ago, and um, someone said, oh, San Francisco, that's a long drive. And he goes, well, I took a plane, and it only took a few hours. And he goes, I prefer to work on the positive side of things. And and that's, I think, um, program speaking, you know, in his life. So thank you.
Thank you. Anybody else want to come up and fish? That's it? No? I'm Beth Dunnick, Pulsive Overeater. Also, just another uh, bozo on the bus. You know, no better, no worse than anybody here. Uh, I've been around since 1975. Kept coming back that whole time. Have not been this size that whole time. But I kept coming back because I knew that there was an answer elsewhere. Uh, that no, no answer was anything but diet and exercise. And if I could have done that, I wouldn't need OA, right? Well, obviously that didn't work for me. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's gotten so widely spread that you can't turn on the TV or uh, go through the checkout stand without seeing some kind of way to control your food. If I could control my food, I wouldn't be here. And at the same time, with uh, everybody's help, I can eat like an average person. Um, we're talking about the redwood trees, and I, I just uh, I come down from living in the redwood area, and I had uh, one person call me on the hotline because I was on the hotline. I'm not used to this on the hotline uh, up there. And um, they called me from a redwood tree. I said, well, how on earth are you gaining weight in sitting in a redwood tree? They said, well, they bring me all this food and it's vegan. So you can even gain weight being a vegan. So anyway, um, where was I with this? Uh, um, Anyway. Unity. Oh, unity. I take this stuff into my family. I do. Um, I was at my up north visiting my family, and I came from my daughter-in-law's house to my daughter's, and I started talking about my daughter-in-law. And my daughter caught me on that. She said, what are you doing talking about my daughter-in-law? I mean, and she doesn't even get along with her that well. And I got it right away. That's not unity. If I go from one person in my family to the other person in my family and gossip about them, that's not unity. So I have to take this stuff in my family, too. Thank you. Okay. I think that's all the time that we have. Um, Thank you all for being here. And, yeah, kudos. I don't know about you guys, but I have not eaten for an hour. Okay. Sometimes that's what meetings are have been for me. Okay. Shall we cl- uh, round the wagons up here? Round up the wagons and close this meeting. Okay. We'll close with... Well, I'm trying. We don't need that. Well, let's see. Uh, Jerry, lead us in that prayer of your choice, will you? To be, to build with me, and to do with me as thou wilt. 
Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Can you Keep coming back. back. It yeah. works if you work it. I got one group. We put one left, left foot in so nobody's on it. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>